Her name was Shi Yang. Born in Guangdong Province in southern China during the latter half of the 1700s, she lived an interesting, albeit forgettable life until around 1801, when a chance encounter would change the course of history. But don't think for one second that she needed someone else to write her destiny for her. Given what we know about her now, her confidence and determination meant that we likely would still be reading about her centuries later if she had never met her future husband. Everywhere in the pages of history, we find stories of incredible women. Stories that remind us that we are all human, and therefore capable of awe-inspiring greatness. But too often, the fairer sex and their accomplishments get overshadowed or downright eliminated from the record. And then, there are women like Shi Yang, whose accolades are so numerous and grand that historians can't help but acknowledge her. Empires fell before her, eventually refusing to even confront her power. Pop culture continues to this day to insert her, or versions of her, into their books, video games, and movies. And all because she refused to back down. Her willingness to get what she deserved, what was owed, compelled her to amass a force larger than most militaries at the time. Not to be overthrown, she ruled her corner of the world with nothing less than total control, instilling a code of laws. Breaking any one of the four rules resulted in the strictest of punishments, up to and including death. It was this fortitude and ruthlessness that took Shi Yang from a quiet little existence to the most feared pirate empress of the South China Sea, under the name Madame Ching. Bruce Lee once said, There are no limits, there are only plateaus, and you must not stay there. You must go beyond them. I'm Aiden Main. Welcome to Haunting Historia. Not much is known about the early days of Qing Shi. We know she lived in the capital of Guangdong province, Guangzhou, sometime between her birth in 1775 and 1801. She moved to Canton, where she became a prostitute on a floating brothel. She worked her way up until she became the madame of the brothel, proving early on her ambitious nature. This was a woman who liked to be the top dog, no matter the arena. She took on the nickname Shi Ken Ku, and her skills both in and out of bed served her well. Her shrewd business skills kept the brothel working smoothly. Meanwhile, she developed a knack for trading secrets through the information she attained from wealthy, connected clients. As often happens, illegal activities attracted people from outside the law. Pirates of the South China Sea frequented the floating brothel where she plied her trade, and one, in particular, took quite a liking to her. Zheng Yi, also known as Cheng I, noticed her ability to coerce both information and loyalty and became instantly infatuated. The son of generations of pirates, this pirate lord earned his title due in part to his father's legacy 
but he was a fierce captain in his own right. He commanded a band of rogues, pillaging the coast and even taking interest in the dealings of the Chinese government. His involvement in those affairs included being a crucial part of China's interventions in Vietnam around 1788. There are deferring accounts of why Cheng I became so attracted to Xi Yang. It's said that he favored her above the other prostitutes. Other historians claim that he sent his men to raid the brothel and bring the madame known as Xi Hyangku back to him. Whether he truly fell in love with her or only wanted her for her cunning, the two were married in 1801. But Ching Wan Sao, as she was now called in honor of her new husband, refused to be married just like that. Ching Shi knew a thing or two by this point in her life. The idea of becoming just another pirate bride simply did not work for her. She agreed to lend her new husband her powers of intrigue and business savvy on the condition that she take on an equal share of the leadership and loot. Essentially, she negotiated 50% of everything. An impressive feat for anyone, but especially a woman aboard a pirate vessel. Zhang Yi, to his credit, recognized the kind of woman he had and agreed to the conditions of the marriage. An incredibly smart move in hindsight. But the fleet began to grow exponentially with the two of them side by side. Together, they brought in several different groups of pirates in the area, unifying them into a massive coalition of fleets by 1804. Their federation of 400 ships color-coded the different parts into six colors. Red, blue, green, white, black, and yellow. Collectively, with the red ships acting as flagships, they called themselves the Red Flag Fleet. Zheng Yi and Qing Shi commanded the fleets at the front, the fiercest husband-wife team that had ever sailed the open sea. But, sadly, this power couple lasted a short six years before tragedy struck. In 1807, just three years after officially constructing the Red Flag Fleet, Zheng Yi, Cheng I, fleet commander, died in Nguyen, Vietnam. The cause of death is shrouded in the mysteries of the past. It was attributed to a typhoon, or it could have been an accidental man-overboard type of drowning. Based on what happened next, some tried to point the finger of blame at his widow. Ching Shi herself, meanwhile, stood at a crossroads. She could retire, taking with her the loot she gained from her deal with Cheng I when they married. Cheng's adopted son, Chang Pao, was his legal heir and second-in-command. But this was a woman of ambition, as mentioned before. She craved the power she had become accustomed to, and here was a perfect chance to take over the entire empire. She moved quickly, securing alliances with the lieutenants by promising to share power, 
as well as taking advantage of the loyalties of her late husband's captains. She made herself absolutely essential and harshly punished anyone who opposed her. Before long, she established herself as the sole leader of the Red Flag Fleet, becoming, in everything but official title, a pirate empress. Ching Shi controlled 800 ships with fully battened sails, called junks, and roughly 1,000 smaller ships, and the pirates under her command numbered between 50,000 and 70,000. With so many pirates, consisting of men, women, and even children, to manage, she laid down a set of laws to be followed without question. This code was a strict contract for the entire fleet, binding and protecting everyone under it, and codebreakers found that she enforced it with even stricter punishments. These codes formed the basis of her ad hoc form of government which she established. The first and most important dealt with the disobedient. Anyone giving their own orders, that is to say, orders that did not come from Ching Shi, or anyone disobeying the orders of a superior, were beheaded on the spot. Thus, Madame Ching cemented her rule. Code 2 stated, No one is to steal from the public fund or any of the villagers supplying the fleet. Code 3 flowed directly from the previous one. All goods taken as plunder were to be presented for group inspection. The goods were then registered with a purser and distributed by the fleet leader. The ship that delivered the goods were allowed to keep 20% of the value, with the rest being put into the public fund. Finally, Code 4 required all actual money to be turned over, with only a small portion to be returned. Most of the cash would be used to buy supplies for the entire fleet. Ching Shi ordered anyone withholding treasure to be severely lashed with a whip as a first offense. Further withholding, or the withholding of large amounts of treasure, resulted in death. As quite possibly the most powerful female pirate in history to that point, Madame Ching unsurprisingly set forth rules on how women were to be treated. Those who were not considered attractive were released immediately and not to be harmed. The more beautiful of their female prisoners could be taken as wives if the men so wished. However, Ching Shi remained incredibly strict as to the conduct between the pirates and their brides. If a pirate were to take a wife, he must remain faithful to her. Rape was met with swift death, often in gruesome ways. And if a pirate were to have sex with a captive without marrying her, even if it was consensual, that pirate would be beheaded and the woman thrown overboard with cannonballs strapped to her feet. Ching Shi's punishments might seem harsh, but through it, she maintained the most feared fleet in all of that side of the Pacific. Terror of South China, they called her. The brilliant military strategies she employed and her governmental hierarchy within the fleet helped her to win battle after battle. She took over several villages along the coast, from Macau to Canton, levying taxes on the citizens. Time and time again, 
Chinese government attempted to bring her and her fleet down. Time and time again, she either sent them running or escaped. In 1808, she managed to take control of several government ships, forcing officials to resort to fishing vessels. The British and Portuguese took notice of her power and the threat she posed. Madame Qing prevailed yet again. Three powerful governments came for her head. Three powerful governments were repelled by her forces. It is estimated that within the years she remained active, she sank 63 ships belonging to the Chinese, British, and Portuguese officials. Those she captured who dared to resist had their feet nailed to her ships before being beaten. Finally, in 1810, the Chinese government metaphorically threw up their hands in defeat. They decided that the best and only way to rid the seas of the menace that was Madame Qing was to offer her amnesty in exchange for her retirement. Qing sent her adopted stepson Chang Pao to negotiate the terms. When they reached a deadlock, Qing Shi is said to have walked into Chinese official Zhang Bai Ling's office unarmed with 17 illiterate women and children at her side. This queen among pirates was awarded amnesty for herself and the vast majority of her crew, to include keeping every scrap of loot she collected over the years. She went on to get Zhang to agree to let her crew into the Chinese Navy, including Chang Pao, who became a full government official inside the Chinese bureaucracy. Pao and Qing Shi were married, and she retired from her life of piracy. Not all pirates get such agreeable endings to their careers. Though female pirates, more than males, had a knack for at least getting out alive. Madame Ching stands alone as a pirate lord who got out alive and fabulously, ridiculously wealthy. You'd think that she would content herself to live out the rest of her days, patting herself on the back. But there's a bit more after she officially retired, and I'll share it with you after a quick break. This episode of Haunting Historia was written and produced by me, Aiden Main, with music by John Bjork. I love bringing you these wonderful stories of intrigue each and every week. History is full of incredible men and women who defied what was possible or expected of them. And it is my honor to tell their tales, particularly if they are ones that get overlooked. If you have a story you think should be told, or if you would like to appear as a guest during one of the monthly interview episodes, contact me through my email, stories at hauntinghistoria.com or through the contact form on hauntinghistoria.com. After Madame Qing settled back on mainland China, she attempted to focus on her family. She had two sons from when Zheng Yi lived, and in 1813, she gave birth to a third. 
A daughter was born shortly afterward, but information on her has been lost to time. Cheng Pao adjusted to his life as a government official, but Qing Shi, the former terror of South China, wasn't the type to be satisfied sitting at home with her riches and participating in Chinese high society. So, she did what anyone with her talent for business and money would do. She opened herself up a gambling den. When Cheng Pao tragically died at sea in 1822, she decided to uproot her family and move to Macau, and set up a second gambling den there. Qing also got into the salt trade, expanding her business enterprises still further. In an interesting twist, she set up a brothel in Macau, bringing everything full circle back to where her legend started. And she still wasn't done. In 1839, at the age of 64, the First Opium War started. Madame Qing refused to sit out, working as a military advisor to Governor General Lin Zexu. She offered her expertise and her ships, and even though the Chinese ultimately lost, Qing Shi did not back down during the conflict. She died quite peacefully in 1844, at the ripe old age of 69, surrounded by her family. Madame Qing, Terror of South China, Pirate Queen of the Red Flag Fleet, is regarded as the most successful pirate in all of history. If you enjoyed this episode of Haunting Historia, then I invite you to please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It is my wish to continue to share these stories of incredible women and men, odd happenings, and events that stick in the mind. The best way to do that is to get the word out. So please, share this with friends, family, anyone who will listen. And I'll be back again next week with another fascinating piece of history. He who asks is a fool for five minutes, but he who does not ask remains a fool forever. Chinese proverb.